One of the biggest issues when you want to virtually wholesale is getting over this idea of how to get sellers to sign contracts over the phone. And my best advice to this is you have to be confident when you speak. You have to have a really good script and you need to be able to overcome seller objections very well so they trust you enough to sign contracts over the phone. So in this episode, we're gonna keep going with more common seller questions or objections and how I like to answer them. This is game-changing information guaranteed to raise your real estate wholesaling business with actionable steps you can take immediately to navigate the ins and outs of wholesaling and start making money today. Join us as we put our guests in the hot seat and dive deep to dissect their strategies for success to enable you to duplicate their results. You're listening to Wholesaling Inc., the only show dedicated to making you a fortune in wholesaling. I see it all the time. You want to build wealth by investing in real estate, but the problem is what you want to do might not match where you live or your lifestyle. The truth is that not all real estate investing strategies work in every market. For most people, it's only natural that you think you have to invest in your backyard because real estate is such a tangible object. You think you need to be able to touch it. And for that reason, most real estate investors just settle on the problems and limitations that their hometown market brings. Well, guess what? My name is Lauren Hardy, and I'm here to show you that you do not need to live where you invest. You can have location and time freedom as a real estate investor. And my goal is to dispel those myths and inspire you to think differently about how you invest in real estate by taking a virtual perspective. My motto is live anywhere and invest where you want. So let's get started today. You're listening to the Wholesaling Inc. podcast and welcome to the Common Seller Objection series. In this episode, I am going to help you overcome your limited mindset that contracts cannot be signed over the phone, wholesaling cannot be done virtually. Well, I'm going to help shift your perspective on that. One of the biggest issues when you want to virtually wholesale is getting over this idea of how to get sellers to sign contracts over the phone. And my best advice to this is you have to be confident when you speak. You have to have a really good script and you need to be able to overcome seller objections very well so they trust you enough to sign contracts over the phone. So in this episode, we're gonna keep going with more common seller questions or objections and how I like to answer them. See, you need to be able to do this because you wanna be able to get the seller to trust you, to have faith that you are going to take care of their house selling needs. But what's wrong with your approach is you don't have the right answers and you're not able to say them without maybe stuttering or sounding really, really nervous, right? You also might need a little bit of a perspective or mindset shift. A lot of people go into virtual wholesaling and their first thing that really freaks them out and it's really a mental block is they can't wrap their head around getting a seller to sign a contract over the phone. So you really got to get over that idea. And I think you will once you start listening to my, you know, answers to their objections and questions. 
So I think you're going to find this episode super, super helpful. So let's get into it. I'm going to do a simple either sell. I'm going to say the seller objection or the question, and I'm just going to go right into what my answer is. So let's start with number one. So this is a common question that comes up. What do you say when a seller says that they want you to remove any language that suggests this contract is assignable? So maybe you have in your contract and or assigns those words, um, or you say this is an assignable contract. What do you do if a seller says, my attorney says to remove that? So the first thing I do is I follow that with a question. Mr. Seller, Mrs. Seller, do you know what that actually means? So you see, most of the time, they won't actually even know what it means, and they don't even know why their attorney is asking that. So I go, well, okay, let, let me explain you know, a little bit about who we are, what we do. Remember when we first talked, and I, I told you we're investors? You know, They say, yeah, and I go, well, part of what we do, sometimes we buy properties to fix up and flip you know, ourselves, like you see on HGTV, right? Sometimes we're buying a property to keep as a rental. And sometimes we sell the property to another investor that's going to do one of those two things. Now, by there is a way that we handle that sale when we find another investor. You see, I've been working for years on a huge list of multi-unit investors, people that are buying tons of houses every month. Some of these individuals, they're, they're individuals. Sometimes they're companies, they're hedge funds, and they rely on people like us to source these deals because they're not going to do it for themselves. They're too big, but they rely on people like me, expert buyers to say, Hey, look it, I got a deal and it's in the neighborhood you like. So sometimes I sell my equitable interest in this property to those investors. Now, there's two ways I could do it. There's an expensive way and there's a cheap way. When I do it by assigning my contract, that's the cheap way. And you really don't need to worry about the technicalities of that. Your escrow company is going to know what I'm talking about. But when I do it like that, I only have to do one escrow and I only have to pay for one set of escrow fees. But if I have to close on the property first, then sell it, well, then I have to pay more in fees. And in the end, those fees are going to get passed down to you because now I can't offer you as much money. And you want as much money as you can get from this property, right? And of course, they're going to say, right. So Mr. Seller, Mrs. Seller, if you want me to remove that language, I can, but I'm going to need the property for like $5,000 less. And nine times out of 10, they're going to say, nah, never mind. Don't worry about it. If they keep going with it, then suggest that you know, you need to make that decision. Are you going to be able to close on the property? And can you convince them to come down in price to account for your closing costs? So that's how I answer it. And most of the time they're good. They're like, oh, okay, I get it. It's just kind of legal language. You kind of lose them at a certain point, but they realize it's nothing to be afraid of. They were just reiterating what their attorney said. Okay, next round of questions. What do you do when sellers ask questions like, can you close the escrow sooner or can you close later? Can you close on the date that we move? So the way that I answer sellers, the first one is, can you close sooner? So I say, you know, I can close about as fast as anybody can close. It really depends on how quickly you can clear up your title. So if your title has liens, you have a loan on the property, you have a mortgage we need to clear, 
you know, maybe there's multiple owners and we have to get documents signed or you need to provide documents to our escrow company. Well, I don't have any control over that. So I like to be conservative and I like to give you a realistic idea of the closing date. And that's the date I put on this contract right here because I really want to under promise, but over deliver. And then I like to ask, you know, when do you need this property to close by? And sometimes it's just 30 days. And that's no big deal, right? I can work with that. But some sellers might say, oh, I need it to close in five days. Well, we might have a problem. And where I would answer back is I'd say, I don't think anybody can close this deal in five days. And usually that will you know, get them to explain why do they need to close in five days, right? Most of the time you can work with this and the seller just has unrealistic expectations. Once they find out that kind of nobody can close in five minutes, like, you know, they kind of back off on this suggestion. I also love to offer that, you know, we can close on the date you choose. So if you want to close the day you move, like we can make that happen. So that's a benefit to selling to an investor because you really can't offer that benefit if you were selling to just a traditional retail buyer, you know, on the market with a realtor. That's really not going to work. Your benefit as an investor is that you can close on the date they they choose, just depending on, you know, that they're not choosing five minutes from this phone call, right? Now, sometimes the seller says, but wait, the problem is I need you to close because I need that money to then move and go into my next place. So then I ask the seller, I go, well, how much money do you need? And I get those needs. And if it is a large amount of money, then usually we'll work out a deal where we'll close escrow, but they can lease the property back for two weeks. So that is a way that I work with the seller in that need. And again, that's something that us investors can do and retail buyers can't. So that's why selling with an investor is that seller's best option. Sometimes the seller just needs like 1500 bucks to hire a mover. And in that case, I say, well, as soon as this property passes inspection, how about this? I'm going to release a non-refundable earnest money deposit to you for $1,500. And I am going to make sure that that, you know, EMD is secured to the property. So that way, you know, you can't just take the money and, and not sell the house to us, you know, but this is going to give you the money to be able to, you know, move out, hire your mover, you know, and then we can just have no rush on the escrow. So boom, came up with some solutions and that's all you have to do. This business is overcoming objections, finding out what the seller's objection is and coming up with a solution. That's what you need to focus on is how can you solve the seller's problem? Other examples, you know, seller might ask you, can I take this fixture or this thing off the property? As an investor, you're not gonna live in the property anyway, so you can manipulate your numbers to account for losing a fixture. So, you know, when you make the offer to the seller and the seller says yes, I like this price, except for I really want to take all the appliances. Well, you know, now you tell the seller, well, okay, that's going to cost me X amount of dollars. So I'm going to have to back that out of my offer. Or you might say, hey, that works because it's a good deal either way, right? So these are ways, again, seller has a, you know, an objection or a question, and you really need to find a way to make it work where it's a win-win for both of you guys. Okay, let's get into the next question. What if the seller says that they don't want to have to disclose anything about the property. So maybe your contract says something that like the seller has to disclose material defects. 
And the seller crosses it out and says, no, I, I'm not going to do that. This is an as is sale. I don't need to show you anything. I don't need to, you know, let you inspect and I don't need to disclose anything. So this is where I tell the seller, listen, this language is in most contracts. And what I'm saying here is you only need to disclose what you know about. So if you don't know that the property has foundation issues because you never lived there, it, maybe it was an investment property for you, you do not need to disclose that because you don't know. I'm simply saying any known material defects need to be disclosed. And let me tell you, I don't know if you know this, but it's actually illegal anyway. So if you didn't disclose something that you knew about and say later, I find out that there's a ton of foundation damage and you had to have known because you recently replaced the carpet. So you had to have known I could come back, you know, and, and make that claim against you. And legally, I would have a leg to stand on. So this language in my contract saying that you need to disclose anything that's known is actually me protecting you from that accidentally happening. Not saying you would ever do that, but just this is why I have it there. So that is a, a way to overcome that objection where the seller starts like wanting to cross things out of your contract that suggests that they need to tell you that they have damage to their home that they know about, right? Because it is important that you have a good open line of communication and the seller is being honest with you about, you know, any kind of defects to the property. All right, guys, we're going to take a little break. Hopefully you got a lot out of these answers. I might have put some ideas in your head on how to answer common seller objections. And if you want to learn more about wholesaling, make sure you check out www.virtualinvestingmastery.com. I would love to help you in your journey. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you next time. That's all for this episode. Your next step to success is to continue the conversation over at wholesalinginc.com by joining the mailing list as well as get your chance to book a strategy session to learn the systems and become part of the tribe and work personally with one of our amazing coaches. We'll see you next episode with more ways to make you a fortune in wholesaling.